But Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, I'm going to read a little bit here from verses 1 through verse 18. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we had seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard, someone say he heard. When King Herod heard this declaration from the wise men, when he heard these things, he was troubled. And all the area, all of the city surrounding Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests, the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. It's amazing. You put all these minds together. They, they knew that, Jesus, that the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem of Judea because it was written by the prophet. And he reads from that and says, Thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of you is going to come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, he inquired of them diligently and said, What time did the star appear? And he sent them to Bethlehem and he said, Go search diligently for the young child. And when you find him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Not our focus here today, but there's a lesson to be learned there. When you get the word the first time, that's the best time to go find Jesus. But he said, well, I'll go find him at another time. And he missed Jesus altogether. Now, we obviously know that Herod had impure motives and he had wrong motives. But I don't want to rely on, well, maybe next time I hear the word, I'll go worship Jesus. I'll go see him. I want to I want to get Jesus today. I want to get a hold of him today. And so here now that. We have Herod saying, bring me word again, and I'll I'll, I'll worship him when you find him. And they heard the king, and they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came, stood over where the young child was. So now they're at that manger scene. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. They fell down, and they worshiped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold frankincense and myrrh. These men were warned of God in a dream not to return to Herod. And so they departed to their own country another way. And the reason why they did this is because God revealed to them that Herod wanted to kill the child Jesus. And so when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord now appears to Joseph, the father, in a dream. And here's what The angel of the Lord says, arise and take the young child, his mother, and flee to Egypt. Be thou there until I bring the word. Again, not the focus of what I'm preaching about today, but just there's so much there I'd like to preach about and speak to. But I will say this, that when you get a word from the Lord and he tells you to do something or to go somewhere, the best thing you can do is stay there until you get a different word from the Lord. And he says, you stay there until I bring you another word. Because Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child, his mother, by night, 
he departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, he was exceeding wroth. He was outright ticked off. So he sends forth, and here's what Herod does. Here's his solution to try to pick off Jesus. He slays, he kills all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof. Any kid, any child that was two years old and younger, according to the time which he had inquired of those wise men, every child slaughtered. And so this was a fulfillment of prophecy spoken by Jeremiah or Jeremy the prophet saying, in Ramah was there a voice heard. Someone say heard. A voice was heard. And this voice carried great lamentation. This voice carried great weeping. This voice that was heard carried great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted because the children were not. They died. They did not exist. I want to preach just for the next couple moments here. Do you hear what I hear? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for what we feel in this place. And I ask for your anointing to be upon me. I ask for your spirit to be upon me. And God, that I would speak your word, that I would speak your will, and that we don't miss it today, God. Lord, I don't want to miss what you are wanting to communicate today. I yield myself to you, God. I give you my voice. I give you my thoughts, God. And I give you, Lord, my mouth, Jesus. Let your will be done today. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Do you hear what I hear? What an awful sound to hear that day. I, I, I get excited a little bit about prophecy. I get interested. I'm not uh, an in-depth student of prophecy, but uh, it does capture my attention when I look at events in the world going on right now and seeing some undertones or some currents of the prophetic coming to pass in our world in this hour. It is quite interesting. There is no book like the Word of God that can give such prediction or insight or vital signs to what the end of time is going to be like before the return of Jesus Christ. There's no other book out there that predicts about a one world government. There's no other book out there that predicts about, you know, nations rising and nations falling and calling them out by name and it coming to pass as it was declared prior to it. There's just no book like it. Different. Uh, it's hard to sometimes pinpoint what is a prophecy for today or what was a prophecy for the moment, but it is estimated there's around 6,000 prophecies in the Bible. In your Bible, in that book in your hands, somewhere around 6,000 prophecies and over a 3,000 of them, over half of them have come to pass. It is an incredible book. And I get excited when I see certain prophecies happen. And there's other prophecies that I see. And it's not so much a prophecy I want to happen when I'm around. I, I don't want to be there uh, when the mountains fall. I don't want to be there, you know, when people are crying out and there is great tribulation. 
I, I, I don't get excited about things like that. And so when the Bible declared that there would be such a sound of travail and weeping and lamenting over the loss of children and Jeremiah preaching to the nation in that day, they went through that. They literally went through that. He prophesied before the foreign uh, entities came in and attacked Jerusalem and literally slaughtered men, women, children. They were uh, indiscriminate about it. They began to literally pick women that were pregnant and they would kill the woman. If that was enough, they would cut open her stomach and kill the child within. It was an awful thing that came to pass. And the prophet Jeremiah said, there's going to be a travail and a weeping for a whole tribe, a whole nation that had children coming to pass, but then they did not come to pass at all. They were completely killed. But at the same time, we find out here in the New Testament, that prophecy was not just for a single time or a single moment, but God God further revealed the deeper parts of that prophecy for the hour in which Jesus would be born, the Messiah. We get excited about Christmas time and the things, uh, the, the thematic element of it about the birth of a Savior in a manger and beautiful depictions of Christmas cards. When's the last time you got a Christmas card, you opened it up and it was, it, it read, you know, in Ramah there was a verse heard lament, lamentation, weeping, great mourning. And there's a picture of a dead woman there that was slaughtered. That's not typically the Christmas card. I hope you never get that kind of Christmas card. That would be quite an awful Christmas card. But that is literally what happened in that period in which Jesus was born. We talked about all things working together for the good. How can something so horrific occur And yet God somehow can work through it all and something magnificent rise from that, Jesus Christ. But here in this segment, it talks about a voice that is heard. There are things that I would like to hear. There's things I don't ever want to hear. And there's some things that people you wish they would hear, but they just they ain't listening. You ever you ever uh, uh, see somebody and you're sitting next to them? I, I remember so clearly in in high school and middle school, sitting there, and I, I just kind of like would pay attention to everything but the teacher. And I would just look around, and, and sometimes I would notice that someone sitting next to me that the rows were close together, and I would look at their ear hole. And I'm like, that is disgusting. Do, have they ever cleaned? Anyone ever seen an ear? Do they have a picture of that? You ever see something like that? It is one of the most disgusting things. Now, I wasn't hearing what the teacher was saying, but not because of that, not because that was my ear, but because I was staring at someone else's ear with a gag reflex. And so sometimes I, I just felt compelled to pull out a Q-tip, you know, that I brought from home with me and sit next to him and get that Q-tip and, and just kind of, you know, help that student out, you know. Now, I've never done that, but there's times I really wanted to. There's times I really wanted to. You could just go to the next slide just so people can have a sigh of relief for a moment and look at a cute puppy. But uh, we, we should have better hearing. We should be listening better. Doesn't mean we're going to like everything we hear. Doesn't mean we're going to enjoy everything we hear. But God does want us in whatever hour, whatever day we hear, to hear his voice. 
See, people did not like the sound of the women travailing and weeping in sorrow for the loss of their child by a mandated abortion. No one enjoys that sound. But if you do not hear clearly, all you're going to hear is the sound of sorrow in women travailing. And you will miss the sound of God saying, the Messiah is being born among you. See, Herod had greater access to information than anyone else other than maybe Caesar himself. He had access to anything he wanted to know. But the problem is he did not have the right type of hearing to see the signs in the sky that the Messiah was within proximity. But see, the moment that he caught a hint from someone else that told him, at the snap of a finger, he had all the scholars around him, and they said, yeah, this is, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. He could have did that weeks ago. He could have did that months ago. But he was delayed in hearing because he was listening for the wrong thing. I do not want to hear the wrong thing when God's trying to communicate the right thing to me today. Someone say amen. We turn into the Old Testament, familiar portion of Scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we read through a few verses, verses 3 through 9. If you are unaware of this, you might want to circle a verse we're about to read, for it is quoted by Jesus as the most important command in the entire Bible. This is the most important command to the Jews, the Hebrew people. It is the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4. But verse 3 God is speaking to his people and says, hear, someone say here, here, listen up, Israel, and observe to do it, that it might be well with you, and that you may increase mightily as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you. And he'll take you into that land that flows with milk and honey. And here's verse four that Jesus quoted in Mark chapter 12, verses 29 through 31. And he says, here, someone say here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Just a friendly reminder here concerning the birth of Jesus Christ in this season. A new God was not born. The greatest command is there is one God. It was God manifest in the flesh to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Isaiah 9, 6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. This son, this child is the mighty God, the everlasting father. The greatest command Israel to know is that a new God was not born, but that one same God was born here on this earth. But this word I want us to see is the word here. It goes beyond in the Hebrew. This word goes beyond mere sound reception. It goes into message perception. It goes beyond you just hearing something, some, some, some signal receiving into those little fuzzy, you know, things in your ear. It is a message that is to be understood or to be perceived. The definition of hear, hear is more emphatic. It means to hearken, to obey, Pay attention and do what I'm saying for you to listen to. That's what the preceding verse is. You can see it clearly communicated in verse 3. It says, hear therefore, O Israel, and observe 
to do it. To hear is to listen. Do you hear what I'm saying? You ever feel like you're talking to your kids and you're you're trying to trying to communicate something? They, they're there. You're saying something to them. They they heard the tones. They heard the voice, and you're just like, you're not hearing me, are you? You're not hearing me. Sometimes, you know, if you've ever preached before in a pulpit, you can, sometimes you're like, man, you're not hearing me, are you? It just goes that way sometimes. You're trying to convey something, and people hear the words, but they are not perceiving the message. Now, if you hear it, you'll fear it, because that's what Deuteronomy 6 is. Because if they truly hear the word of the Lord, they will have the fear of the Lord inside of them. There's all of a sudden a click. There is a connection. There is a revelation. The message now materializes in somebody's life, the sound produces substance. It actually goes from the invisible and lived out visibly in somebody's life. That sound takes on shape. We go on reading in verse five here and he expounds. This is how, you know, if somebody hears what I'm saying, that's what the Lord is saying. You'll know if someone hears what I'm saying when they love the Lord, thy God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their might. And these words which I command you this day are in your heart. You'll know that someone heard the message when, look at verse 7, they begin not only to live it for themselves, but they live it through their posterity, their future generations, and they teach it diligently to their children. And they talk with their children about it inside their house. Let me ask you, mom and dad, how often do your kids hear you talk about the ways of God in your house? Or is the only time you talk about God in the house of God? You have to make sure that they hear you talk about God and his ways in your house more than your favorite football star, more than your favorite hobby, more than your favorite activity. They need to hear about God from you. I'm thankful for the teachers that are in this church that teach classes to all the students here. But listen, it's not up to them to raise your children. Sometimes I get in trouble. You as a parent are the priest of your home. And they have to hear from you instructions of God. You can't like just hope and when I dump my kids off at the church that, you know, pastor and all the, the teachers, they're going to clean the mess up. No, no, no. You clean up the mess in your house. And you say, hey, you turn that junk off. You ain't going to watch that in my house. You know, I'm just going to cut the Internet connection. You ain't going to be listening to that kind of music. No, no. I'll just go ahead and take that phone. Well, God bless you all. This is how you know if you hear what I'm saying is what God is saying. You see that lived out in your home. And when you walk by the way and when you lay down and when you rise up, it is your conversation piece all the time. And you bind it upon a sign upon your hand between the frontlets of your eyes. And you write it upon the post of your house and on your gates. Do you hear what I hear? Jesus, in the New Testament, the book of John, chapter 8, verse 43 through 47, he got a little frustrated because the people didn't hear what he was saying. So now here's the, you know, the, the Christmas card growing up, okay? Jesus is now an adult, and he's speaking. And he says, why don't you understand my speech? Why? I don't, I don't get it. Why can't you hear what I'm saying? I'm trying to communicate to you. Why can you not understand it? 
And Jesus, before they can even try to utter an excuse, he gives them the reason. He says, because you can't hear my word. And then he gets a little and pretty, pretty uh, blunt might be the word of verse 44. Look what Jesus says. You know, grace, mercy, peace, love and hippie Jesus. Right. That people like to depict him as Jesus says, you're of your father, the devil, the lust of your father. That's what you're going to do. Your father was a murderer from the beginning, didn't abide in the truth. There's no truth in him. He speaks a lie. He speaks of his own. He's a liar, the father of it. And that's your daddy. Wow. Can you imagine Jesus saying that to you? Can you imagine him being that coarse, that blunt with you? And then he says, because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. I'm not lying to you. I'm not, I'm not manipulating you. I'm just telling you the truth. And which of you trying to convict me of sin? If I say the truth, why do you not believe me? Now look at verse 47. But see, the person that is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you guys don't hear them. Because you're not of God. Do you hear what I hear? Or Jesus said just a couple chapters later in John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. And this is so important because it's, it's not enough for us to just hear sermons in church and, 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 and hear messages at conferences or, or uh, some media venue that you, you know, podcast that you're, you're listening, God willing, it's apostolic, it's, it's, it's truth that you're listening to. But it's just hearing that doesn't guarantee that you are actually hearing it, that it's registering, that it's clicking. God said you will know that you are hearing what I'm saying by living according to what I am saying. That is when the message registers in your mind and the light comes on and all of a sudden you see the very thing you're stumbling at in the dark. And now that the light is on and you've heard the message, you know how to clearly navigate in a dark world because his word is a lamp unto our feet. This is the best guide you could ever have in the darkest hour we have ever lived. This is the light you need. It's better than LED. It's better than any type of lumen brightness that is out there on this planet. It is Jesus Christ manifested word. He is the light of the world. And when you got the word in your hand, you got the best flashlight possible to know how to move through this life. In Luke 1, 41, it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation. There's an announcement. Hey, hey, uh, Mary's here. Elizabeth hears that Mary has arrived. And in that moment, the baby, which is John the Baptist at that point, that fetus in her womb, leaps inside of her. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now check this out in verse 41. The others didn't react like this when they heard the salutation. But the child and Elizabeth, they heard. They heard. See, you, you, the same words went forth throughout that house. But there was a different response because one merely heard, but the other heard. They got it. The message registered and they perceived it. And so the child and Elizabeth, they had the revelation of that salutation. When they begin to announce that Mary was there, they had the revelation that what Mary was bringing to them. Mary was not just bringing her presence. Mary was bringing Emmanuel, God with us. 
And so in that moment, look at verse 42. How do you know that, that Elizabeth really heard? How do you know that that child in her womb heard? The Bible says not only she didn't leave it up to a fetus to act out when Jesus arrived, she acted out. Look at verse 42. She spake out with a loud voice. See, she heard the message. It registered. See, if a child that is yet to be born knows how to react to the presence of Emmanuel, how much more are we who have been born again by the spirit of the living God know how to respond? I ask, are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Because I, I know, but better than I know, God knows if you hear what is being said. Because something registers, something clicks, something makes sense. And when that salutation, when that proclamation, when that announcement went forth, that child began to move inside that womb saying, oh, this is the one that I am going to announce. Behold is the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And I'm not going to wait till I'm an adult and grow up and I got a large following to react. I'll react now when no one else can see me. I'll react now when no one else is aware. And that mother spake out with a loud voice. You know why? Because they heard. They heard. They heard what no one else heard, though they all heard the same thing. See, re- your reaction displays revelation. Your reaction displays your revelation. In verse 43 says, Whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And lo, as soon as the voice of your salutation sounded in my ears, the moment I heard the word went forth, the moment it went forth, there was a moving in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. I don't I can't prove this, but I could I could I would say potentially safely assume this. But you when you look at other depictions and moments in scriptures, when someone did not initially react, when God called them to react, when God spoke to them, because Jesus, as he went down into the streets of Jerusalem at that last moment segment of his time, the Bible says the people begin to cry out and shout out Hosanna in the highest. And the Pharisees were mad and said, why don't you silence them? And Jesus said, I could do that, but I'm still going to get a response. I'm still going to get a reaction. The rocks will cry out in their place. But see, see this lady here and this child, Elizabeth and, and John the Baptist in her womb, because they heard and because the revelation was displayed by their reaction, she began to prophesy and begin to declare things because she responded, because she reacted. And when she reacted, she began to just proclaim in the spirit, blessed is she. She began to pronounce. Oh, see, Mary, Mary is the one carrying the, the word made flesh. Mary, you would think. 
think, you know, I can't, I can't speak to Mary. She's highly favored of God. She's, she's more elite than I am. She's carrying the Lord's Messiah. There's, you know, I, who am I to speak into her life? But the moment that Elizabeth acted out and that child acted out, the spirit came upon her and she said, blessed are thou Mary. You know who you are. You're highly favored. And you know what's going to happen? God's going to perform exactly what he promised. She was the confirmation to Mary in her struggle. Mary was going through a lot at that point in time of rejection and people misunderstanding her because she's supposed to be a virgin with a kid. How embarrassing is that? But when she walked in, all of a sudden, someone reacted differently than everyone else was reacting. People reacted condemning Mary and damning her and saying, oh, you have an illegitimate child. But see, you got someone that heard a different message. You got someone that was sensitive to the message. And they said, oh, you're blessed. God's performing exactly what he promised you. See, the song... When we revert back to the beginning of the portion of Scripture that we read at the birth of Jesus, the song Silent Night, in all reality, was anything but silent. There's so much noise in the hour of that day. And in that hour of the child's birth, the child that is born, Jesus Christ, it was not a silent birth. It was not a silent experience. And others all in that area, loud as well and Doubtful that Jesus Christ was the only one born in that city, a large city. Many people around. There's probably other kids that were born that day. In a small town like Watertown, 21,482. You know, every time we've been in the hospital, at least I, I can't think of a time where we were the only ones there, you know, having kid. There, there's, it just seems to be there's children born all the time. So no doubt it was not a silent night. There's other women in travail giving birth at that moment. And so you could say it's just another sound of the city. But if you hear what is actually going on, it's not just another sound in the city. When Jesus was born, it was the sound of salvation. And the salvation came from this this infant child. Salvation came in the form and sound of something vulnerable, humble, And that sound was an unintelligible cry. You know, salvation still comes that way. It's a sound when a lost soul is vulnerable, humble, crying out. And you know when they got it. Because you hear a sound of an unintelligible sound. I may not understand the cry of the child. That child is crying out with the understanding of what it's crying about. But listen, when we cry out and others may not understand, we speak in the spirit mysteries. But God, God knows what's going on. That spirit making intercession inside. Salvation still comes when someone's willing to be vulnerable, when someone's willing to be humble, when someone's willing to be exposed in this presence of God. And all of a sudden they cry out and you hear that sound. Salvation came in a sound and salvation still comes today in the sound. Jesus was the initiation of sound. And I, I believe I preached it here before. If not, I, I've, I've mentioned it somewhere before. But the fact of the matter is when 
Jesus was born, he sounded out. When Jesus walked throughout the ministry on this earth, he sounded out. And the very first thing Jesus did when he was born was cry out. And the very last thing that Jesus did on that cross was cry out with a loud voice. He started off with the sound and he ended with the sound. That is what salvation does. And man, I don't want to ever silence the sound of salvation in my life. There's a lot of noise going on. There's a lot of weeping going on. There's a lot of lamentation going on. There's a lot of groaning in the hour in which we are living. But we cannot afford to lose the sound of salvation. Do you hear what I hear? You can be with someone and hear the same sound, but hear different things. It's the difference between, you know, Troy and I sitting outside somewhere in a car driving by. And Troy Stewie hears the car pass by. I hear the car pass by. But he's hearing something going on in that engine that I don't, I'm oblivious to. We hear the same thing, but we hear different things. It's, it's, it's the difference between, you know, if, if I'm standing here with, with Ellie and my wife and, and some music is playing in the background, we're talking, you know, I, I just hear some like rhythmic beat, but they hear harmony. They hear parts. I don't hear those things. It's just like me trying to walk and talk with some sort of rancher. You know, I hear a cow mooing, but they could hear if that cow is sick. They could tell some things that I cannot tell. It's like sitting here, you know, and, and, and we walk all as a group into a coffee shop. And we, we hear someone's latte being made. But I hear things that you do not hear because I have been around that atmosphere just like a mechanic has been around his atmosphere, just like a musician has been around their atmosphere, just like a rancher has been around their atmosphere, just like some political analyst has been around his atmosphere. See, we all can hear some sounds, but we don't all hear the same thing. And in the days of the birth of Jesus, there was such a depressing sound crying out. But at the same time of a sound of depression, there was a sound of relief of a child that was born and a child that survived. And I'm thankful that there was somebody like Joseph and Mary who were sensitive to the sound of the angel of the Lord. And they didn't just brush it off as another dream. They heard from God. And so they heeded to God and they relocated the sound of that child. And they went to another land. They went out to Egypt because they knew they heard from God. And they didn't just merely hear. They heard it. They got it. And they went forth with that message. And then again... And when the angel says, when you don't move, you stay there until you hear from me again. And sure enough, another day came where the angel spoke to Joseph and he heard from God again. And they relocated their son. They relocated Jesus. It is important. See, a believer hears versus someone who loves God and hears. There's lots of believers in the day in which we live. But there's others that love God and they heard what his word said and it lives out in their life this is what I feel in the Holy Ghost as we go to 2 Corinthians 10 3 through 5 I'm just about done we're walking in the flesh but we're not warring after the flesh 
There's a lot of things your ear ears. But do not lose sight of your spiritual ear. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It's not physical. It's mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And surrounded all around you is a lamentation, a groaning, a darkness, a very delicate hour. And if not careful, that's the only thing we hear. But if we would open up our ears, we could hear the coming of the Messiah. We could hear the voice of God. But the way to do that is you need to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And God wants you and he's calling us today to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Do you hear what I hear? And I ask you, the voices you hear in your head, the emotions, we got about a million thoughts a minute going through our mind. The flooding of thoughts that you have, what are they communicating to you? Are they positive? Are they negative? Are they light? Are they dark? Are they hope? Or is it hopelessness? Is it depression? And if you have a predominant voice you hear in your head that is contrary to life and hope and deliverance and salvation, that is the voice that you got to bring into captivity and bring it into the obedience of Christ. You have to do it. Other words, you'll end up like Rachel in that prophecy of Jeremiah, where the Bible says there was a great cry throughout of all Israel. A weeping, a lamenting, a moaning, a great moaning. And the Bible says, Rachel refused to be comforted. And in this prophecy of the Messiah, here is the comforter being birthed for people. But if all you hear is the wrong voice, you can end up refusing the very thing that's birthed in your hour. God is birthing the comforter. God is birthing hope. God is birthing these things. And God is about to help somebody right now at the conclusion of this service for you to get something to move upon you right now where you just get a righteous indignation within yourself saying, I am going to pull these thoughts down. This is not the voice of truth. This is not the voice of God. This is not my creator speaking over me. This is not the message of the Messiah. This is the message of my flesh and my adversary. And so I'm going to get it and I'm going to throw it down and I'm going to command it to be obedient to what Jesus has declared to be. In Jeremiah 7, 27, 28, it says, therefore thou shalt speak all these words unto them, but they will not hearken to you. Thou shalt also call to them, but they will not answer you. But you shall say to them, this is a nation that obeys not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. God, may that not be the case. But I fear that it is that we live in a nation that just simply doesn't hear what we need to be hearing from God. Jesus spoke in John 18, 37, when Pilate speaks to him and says, 
hey, Jesus, are you a king? And Jesus says, you say I'm a king. And to this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the, the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. And everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. I'm looking at people that have been exposed to truth. What a shame to be exposed to truth and not hear the voice of truth. To go an entire walk with God and never hear his voice. And Pilate kind of, you know, is a little bothered by that statement. He says, what's truth? See, Pilate, he wasn't born of the truth. He doesn't hear truth, but he wonders what it is. Truth is not so much what you see, though there is things that you can see that are truth. Truth is more than what you see. Truth is what will be. For every time God spoke something and it didn't happen, it's not the same as the devil speaking it and it not happening. The devil says something and it doesn't happen. It's because he's a liar and the father of it. God speaks something. And it hasn't happened yet. We hate the delay. We hate the pause. That's one of many differences between God and the devil. The devil says something's going to happen and it don't because he's a liar. God says something happens. And if we're not careful, we don't hear who the message is coming from. We can think God's a liar. But God is not a man that he should lie. And Elijah, the man of God, in 1 Kings 18, 41, he says to Ahab, after that mighty scene on Mount Carmel where he calls fire down from heaven and consumes those sacrifices and defeats all the prophets of Baal, he turns to Ahab and he says to him, Get up, eat and drink, for there is a sound. Elijah heard something that no one else heard. And it was there. There was no evidence of it. There was no sign of it. But Elijah heard a sound. And I'm here to tell you today, listen, hear, there is a sound. There are sounds, but there is a sound. In the midst of all the noise right now, there is a sound. There is the sound of abundance. You are in desolation. You are in drought. You are in a weary place. You're in a dry land. But I promise you in the Holy Ghost, there is a sound. And this sound carries abundance. And if you can just hear what I hear, and if you can hear what God is saying, I promise you it can change your disposition today. It can change your attitude today. There is a sound sound of salvation. In the days of Jesus' birth, there was a sound of thousands of babies crying and being slaughtered. In the days of Jesus' time, there was a sound of 
thousands of mothers weeping and groaning for the loss of their child. There were sounds of hopelessness and there were sounds of an inability to be comforted. But in the middle of all that chaos was a sound in that city of the Son of God. The very cry that would comfort their cry was in that city. And the very cry is still calling out today to help you in your cry, to help you in your despair. The voice of Jesus Christ is here today. The voice of truth is here today. Would somebody hear what I'm saying today? I pray in the Holy Ghost that somebody would hear beyond the sound of my voice and that they would hear the voice of truth. There is a hope in your hopeless situation. Jesus. There's a lot of sounds in December during this season. Unfortunately, the predominant sound is material. Unfortunately, the sound is that of competition between kids and even adults of, oh, what'd you get for Christmas? Well, I got this. Oh, what are you doing for Christmas? Oh, I'm going here. The wrong sounds being heard at this time. They say that during even Christmas season is one of the loneliest seasons, especially for those that don't have the connection to friends and families and loved ones, their distance and things create those chasms and those gaps. And you hear a sound of regret throughout the streets, but don't lose the sound of Christ this season. It is the sound of salvation in a city of pain. Do you hear it? Do you hear? Does anybody hear it anymore? I don't want to get to a place where I can't hear Jesus anymore. Let's stand together. God help me. To wander through this kind of society with so many messages going forth. We are in a era of constant message, constant communication, constant sound, constant earbuds, constant radio on, constant media, constant, constant. And it can get so busy, so rapid, so fast that we miss what really can be happening during this time. It's just kind of the routine of Christmas nowadays in churches where it's just kind of a, it's kind of a relax, unplug, and just kind of enjoy the holidays. And there's no baptisms, there's no conversions, there's no healings. That just doesn't sound like the purpose of what this is supposed to all be about. Yeah, I, I get the point of giving gifts and things like that, but there's no greater gift than that of salvation. I pray in the name of Jesus that this December, why couldn't God do it? Why wouldn't God want to do it? Where we see more people baptized in December than any other month. Where we see more people filled with the Holy Ghost than in any month. 
where we see more people delivered from their drugs, their alcohol, their addictions than in any month. Is that what you'd like to hear? Because that sure is what I believe God wants us to hear. Because that's what his message, that's what I hear in his word, that he can give something that no one else can give. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. And I believe I hear it right now. And I wonder if in your spirit that you would just lean in right now and that you would listen for that voice and listen for what God can do at the close of this year. Don't just kind of just unplug and say, well, you know, December is just kind of where we can relax and it's just busy and we're friends and families. And that's the, there's nothing wrong with those sounds. But if we miss the sound of salvation in this season and hour, we've missed something. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Well, the word was made flesh. A child was born and a sound was heard. And we bring forth the word of faith today that God is about salvation. It's the whole purpose of Jesus being born. That's what the whole purpose of Christmas is all about. Is a Messiah. Is salvation. Is redemption. Can you lift your voice for just a moment in your hands? Can you lift your ear to heaven for just a moment and would you ask God to open it? Somebody just ask God to open your ear for a moment. I know you may not hear anything right now, but I promise you there's a voice there. There's some of you right now, the voice is so predominant. It's negative. It's depression. It's hopelessness. But I'm here to let you know there's a voice of hope in this room right now. Come on, some of you got, there's a voice that's haunting you of regret, but I promise you there's a voice of remission in this room right now. The Holy Ghost is in this room right now. If you hear a voice that is contrary to hope, this altar is open right now. If you hear a voice that's predominant, that's the forefront of your mind, that is regret, this altar is open right now. I promise you there's a voice of remission in this room. There's a voice of redemption in this room right now. There's a voice crying out to a soul right now. <laughs> this altar is open for anyone that would like to pray. Anyone that would like to hear the voice of truth, this altar is open right now. God, open our ears to hear. Open our ears to hear your voice, God. I don't want to hear. God, something that is just a noise and it's not the message that you're trying to bring, God. Lord, I don't want my ear plugged with crowded sound. Unplug my ears. Open, God, the passageway of the ear to my heart, God. And I want to hear it. I want to hearken. I want to obey. I want to yield to that voice today.